Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 28th day of February 2024. Tick tock next block. This is... Wow, what episode is this? Holy crap. Let me find out what episode this actually is, and I'll get right to it. It is, in fact, episode 863 of Bitcoin, and I watched with eyes ablaze as a $600 billion industry began to crumble before me. And I looked towards the heavens, and I shouted to the Lord, let's fucking go. Noster Revelations 420. What the hell was I just talking about? Well, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I found this note on Noster. And if you're not on Noster, I kind of, I'm almost to the point where I, I don't want to talk to people that aren't on Noster anymore. And I, I, I'm just kind of getting done with trying to figure out how to get people over here because if you're not over on Noster, then you're you're not seeing this shit, the shit that just got real. A HIPAA-compliant amethyst is getting closer. What's HIPAA? I, I can't remember exactly what it stands for. Uh, if you'll bear with me for just a second, I will see if I can't pick that out. But it's HIPAA is definitely uh, a healthcare thing. Um, yeah, here we go. Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Again, HIPAA stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And essentially what it is 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 a privacy kind of thing. Like when you go to the doctor, you sign a, sign a HIPAA statement. And only certain people can get your healthcare information, like what your diagnoses are, what medications you're on, you know, prescriptions that you've gotten, what kind of treatments that you've had. Yet not anybody can get that information, or at least so we're told. By law, only the people that you enable to get that information are eligible to have that information aside from your doctor, uh, which definitely has it. And then when you go like, you know, if you go to another doctor and they need to get your health uh, health information from you, uh, they're HIPAA compliant so they can have it. But everybody else, they, they kind of don't need it. So I get this note. <clears throat> Or I, I see this note from a Dr. Edo Paz. That's Dr. E-D-O space P-A-Z. Dr. Edo Paz or Paz. And he says, this is an embed prescription. Okay. An embed prescription. I'm going to throw this up into the zap.stream so you can see what it is that I'm looking at here. This is right here. This is the note. All right, now, what he says about it for the guys in audio 
is Dr. Ido Paz writes, he's got a picture of an eyeglass prescription, you know, left and right, the spherical, the uh, cylinder, the axis, you know, what you would normally see on uh, an eyeglass prescription. Now he says, quote, this is a FHIR payload form or from the medical record that was inaccessible to the patient. The doctor just downloaded the data, signed into a Noster event, and sent the complete event inside a regular kind one. In practice, this would be inside of a direct message or a DM. Since the event is inside the content, the patient's client doesn't need to access the hospital's private relay. The information is already there. I've this is what I mean by disrupting a $600 billion industry. The healthcare industry, like last year, was somewhere around $600 billion, with a B, dollars. All right? What this doctor is demonstrating is that this is the slightest, the most pinprickest of disruptions that we can imagine to something as behemoth as a $600 billion dollar industry, but it's the leak in the dam that I look for before I see the dam collapse. When I see a leak in a dam, and this is a leak, and the dam is the $600 billion healthcare industry, that's when I know that dam is probably doomed, most likely doomed. And I don't mean that, you know, all like, like nobody's going to get surgeries anymore or Somehow or another, the the physical action of a doctor interacting with their patient, whether it's a checkup or, you know, neural surgery or something like that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the stuff that goes around it, insurance, payments, claims, prescriptions, all records, all of your medical records. This guy has demonstrated that in a very secure way, given private public key pairs that highly classified HIPAA must be HIPAA compliant information can now be transferred over the protocol that is Noster in a safe and guaranteed secure way. He just sent an eyeglass prescription. Basically just think of it like this. He sent an eyeglass prescription to a patient through a direct channel, right? And then the patient would be able to send that particular prescription to an eyeglass company and say, hey, here's my prescription in a direct channel. Right now, it's just an eyeglass prescription. How many prescriptions are written for medicine in the United States alone every single day? Now, expand that to insurance claims. Expand that to all of the rest of the stuff, all of the data that needs to be transmitted very securely. This guy has just demonstrated another use case of Noster that I wasn't looking at. And in fact, if we get right down to it, well, if if here, I'll throw this up in the, um, in the uh, zap.stream so that you can see it. Um, make, uh, hold on, I gotta, I gotta look for something else here. Got to make sure that I'm not dead on the live stream. Okay. This is what the embed prescription 
actually looks like. And it just kind of looks like a, you know, it almost looks like a cashew, you know, event, you know, like a, an e-cash thing. It's just a whole shitload of numbers and letters. But at the very head of this, it says Noster colon N, as in the letter N for Nancy, embed, like a Noster embed. I don't know who this Edo Paz is, but I want to talk to this dude. Because this thing is more amazing than I think we're giving it credit for. And somebody had said, well, I just don't see how this is earth shattering or, or, or you know, some kind of breaking apart of, of the industry. And again, the dam has already collapsed. We just haven't actually watched it occur yet. And the reason I know the dam has collapsed is because I can see the leak. And once water starts to infiltrate something and starts flowing through it, that's it for that structure. That's all she wrote. It's just a matter of time. This is the leak that you guys need to be aware of. Okay, so I also want to bring to you this one. This is completely different. Uh, this is Wikifredia. I'm going to throw this up here in the uh, zap.stream uh, uh live feed. Sorry, I have a little bit of a prob today. My daughter called me from school to tell me that her friend stepped on the on her Chromebook and has cracked the screen and I'm a little bit discompobulated because of it. But I wanted to make sure that I reiterated that Pablo F7Z who doesn't sleep and apparently may not actually even have time to eat food because he's always shipping product has shipped Wikifredia and it's like Wikipedia, only it as well is done over the Noster protocol. I, I don't know how many times I have to reiterate what's going on with Noster. It's going to eat the legacy web. And if you're not watching, if you're not learning how to manage your private public key pair generated from a Noster client, you're going to be behind the curve. You do not want to be the guy talking about Noster like Paul Krugman or whoever was talking about the internet being nothing more than a fax machine. If you're not on Noster yet, pick a client, any client, coracle.social, primal.net, uh, get it on, get Domus or Primal on iOS or Amethyst. I just, I, you have... It doesn't, it's not going to cost you anything to figure out how to work this. And you're going to need to learn how to work this. It's already an inevitability. It's not a probability any longer. We, we went past that shit when homeboy Dr. Ido Paz decided that he was going to demonstrate how to put a prescription into an event or a kind one Noster event. We are well past that shit. If you're not watching you're going to die. So again, Wikifredia is a free wiki that we can all edit like the old Wikipedia used to be back in the day, except it's on the Noster protocol. So you can go to, like I'll go to English, which is the uh, entry for English. There's one entry in this topic for English from Slippier, Slippery Fiver, and the entry reads, English is a West Germanic language in the Indo-European language family whose speakers called Anglophones originated in early medieval England. And he gives a couple of, uh, oh, what do they call it? Uh, citations. Uh, the namesake of the language is the Angles, one of the ancient Germanic peoples 
that migrated to the island of Great Britain. And he goes on and on and on about the English language. This replaces Wikipedia. Wikipedia, I mean, it replaces Wikipedia. Legacy web is going away. There's nothing you can do. There's, there's no amount of tears that you can shed. It just, there's nothing you can do. It's, it's just gone. Again, it's not the collapse of the dam that I'm looking at. That's already occurred because I can see the leak in the dam wall. Now, speaking of tears, shall we? Shall we? Hold on. Let me see if I can pull this over here. And it's not being very, yeah, there we go. No, that's not what I wanted to do. I'm going to pull this over here, and we're going to listen to some real tears being shed. There's underperformance, okay? It's depressing. I, I, I don't want to. What has Bitcoin ever done for mankind? Do you ever, are you ever Bitcoin a Bitcoin phone? Watson, come here, I need you. I mean, what is it? That was Jim Cramer crying about the fact that we were seeing God candles earlier today. Now, some of that has collapsed back into the, where are we at? Back to the $60,861 range. But we hit $64,000 today. And while it was around, before it got to $64,000, and while it was out, you know, around the $61,000, $60,000 range, that was Jim Cramer on CNBC crying about, how Bitcoin hasn't done anything for humanity. And he just doesn't understand. And nobody has a Bitcoin phone because apparently the iPhone has done more for humanity than anything on the face of the planet. So, I, you know, screw you, doctors. <laughs> screw you, nurses. You know, you guys don't matter. No, 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 no. Fucking freaking iPhone. That's what matters. That's what matters. But I mean, just the, the amount of salt. We are back to the salt mines. Uh, we were at the salt mines a long, long time ago, we haven't really talked about salt in a long time. Jim Cramer has just ushered, ushered in the new age of saltiness. Now, let's leave the crying behind, shall we? Let's go to Africa. Strike CEO Jack Mallers announces the expansion of services into the continent of Africa. Bitcoin Magazine, Nick Hoffman. Today, Jack Mallers, the CEO of Strike, announced the expansion of Strike suite of Bitcoin services into several African markets. And here's his uh, tweet. Jack Maller says, I just published announcing Strike Africa. Today, we are launching Strike Africa, expanding our full suite of Bitcoin services into Gabon, Ivory Coast, Malawi, Nigeria, South Africa, Uganda, and Zambia, with more markets to come in the future. Strike Africa will now be available in those countries and aims to address the unique financial challenges faced by many African countries, including high inflation rates, devaluing currencies, and expensive remittance services. Strike Africa is just the beginning, said Mallers. Our commitment to Bitcoin has never been stronger, and we will continue to launch into new regions all throughout the year of 2024, end quote. Through Strike Africa, users will have access to a comprehensive range of Bitcoin and Lightning services, including local fiat on and off ramps, the ability to buy and sell Bitcoin and USDT, cross-border payments, and more. With these offerings, Strike aims to empower individuals and businesses with fast, secure, and cost-effective financial solutions. 
Mallers emphasized the importance of Bitcoin as a digital reserve asset and hedge against inflation in African countries that are experiencing economic turmoil. He highlighted the significant impact that strikes services can have in providing individuals with the tools to protect their property rights and preserve their wealth. Furthermore, Strike Africa will enable businesses to open accounts and access a range of services tailored to their needs. The availability of Strike's API hopes to empower developers to build innovative Bitcoin and payment tools for customers in Africa and beyond. Additionally, Strike Private will provide eligible clients with personalized services, including custom pricing, education, market analysis, and more. The tailored approach is for supporting clients on their Bitcoin journey and provide them with expert guidance and assistance. Again, going to reiterate my stance on how important South America, Central America, and the whole continent of Africa is. If you're not watching these, you're not watching Bitcoin. The West, right? The West actually does need Bitcoin, but it eh, the West doesn't think it needs Bitcoin. So therefore, the West will probably be the last country on, or countries on the face of the planet that actually benefit the most from Bitcoin, except for Texas, which by itself is probably its own little country. We always say that. I'm th- I threw up the uh, uh, Jack Mallers uh, article over here in the uh, Zap dot stream so that. Uh, people that are bored with looking at the uh, my audio editing software can actually look at something different. Now, the suits like orange. Yes, they do. They they very much like orange. Eric Balchunas has this tweet, says, Wow, only halfway through the trading day, and the new nine Bitcoin ETFs have already broken their all-time daily volume record with $2.6 billion. That's... billion of daily trading volume in the first half of the day for nine of the 11 Bitcoin spot ETFs. We got four BTC ETFs in the top 20. By the way, this is Eric Balchunas continuing on. iBit is number four overall. It's going to trade more today than in its first two weeks combined. This is officially a craze. So I know I I get it about the ETFs. No, like I, the hardcore Bitcoiners are just we're just we don't want to hear about the ETFs except they're part of your life now. They're they're part of your life. Like I don't know, uh, crossing against traffic is part of your life. You have to look both ways before you cross the street. If you don't. If you don't, you're going to be lunch meat, man. I mean, absolute lunch meat. So please understand when I bring you the ETF stuff, it's not because I'm excited about the ETFs. It's because they're here and it doesn't look like they're slowing down. In fact, it just looks like they're gaining steam. So Bloomberg, Bloomberg came out and this was like three or four days ago. I totally missed this one. They've got an article entitled a $30 billion RIA platform green lights for spot Bitcoin ETFs. We'll find out more from Katie Greenfield, who has written this article for Bloomberg. Gatekeepers to the assets overseen by financial advisors, which is the holy grail in the eyes of fund issuers, 
are being especially choosy when it comes to the pack of freshly launched U.S.-listed spot Bitcoin ETFs. Carson Group, an Omaha, Nebraska-based registered investment advisory, which has $30 billion on its platform, said that it has approved four of the 10 new Bitcoin ETFs. That list includes BlackRock's $6.6 billion iShares Bitcoin Trust and the $4.8 billion Fidelity Wise Origin Bitcoin Fund, the two products receiving the most investor inflows so far, as well as smaller offerings from Bitwise and Franklin Templeton. Carson prioritized the significant asset growth and trading volume in selecting iBit and FBTC, according to Grant Engelbart, the firm's vice president and investment strategist. Meanwhile, the $1.2 billion Bitwise Bitcoin ETF and the $100 million Franklin Bitcoin ETF, which will charge eventual fees of 0.2% and 0.19% respectively, are among the least expensive offerings in the space. Quote, we feel it's important to offer these products as a result from two of the largest asset managers in the industry. Bitwise and Franklin Templeton have committed to being the lowest cost providers in the space and have also seen large inflows in trading volumes. Both firms also have established in-house digital asset research teams and expertise that we feel are beneficial to the continuing growth and management of the products as well as advisor research and education. Access to the platforms that cater to financial advisors and their retail clients is of huge consequence to the firms behind Bitcoin ETFs who are eager to tap into a new audience. Some platforms, such as Fidelity and Charles Schwab, already have funds available for RIAs to trade for their clients, while LPL Financial is taking a wait-and-see approach. On the other end of the spectrum, Vanguard has no plans to allow the funds to be traded through its brokerage. Platform approvals can be a huge catalyst for fund growth, given that financial advisors oversee trillions of dollars, according to Bitwise's Hunter Horsley. Quote, over half of the U.S. wealth is part of a platform and can only use a product once it's approved, said Horsley, chief executive of Bitwise. We frequently hear, I want access to Bitcoin, but our platform hasn't approved everything yet or anything yet. The platforms are busy, but now that there are ETFs, and a few over a billion dollars in assets under management, they're doing the work. So the, the IRAs is basically what they say at the, very, at the very top of this, right? Gatekeepers. They are the gatekeepers to the assets that are overseen by financial advisors. Okay, so like the IRAs are the people that actually pick and choose the products to put into portfolios, and this is one of the first one of the first group of RIAs that have actually done that right so expect more to come again you when you cross the street if you're not looking both ways you're going to get hit by a bus that's why i'm bringing you ETF coverage because you're going to want to know about this stuff so there's that one there's the bloomberg article which I have uh, put into the archives because Bloomberg wanted a buck twenty-seven a month uh, for me to sign up to read this, and I said no. At one point or another, when Bloomberg decides to start using Lightning and/or eCash, I will actually buy their articles for like twenty-five cents. I have no problem doing that. I'm done with subscriptions. 
and so should you be. All right, moving on. Second EIA survey extension is being pushed with open comment period. This is more about that whole EIA survey thing for the miners. We've won, we've won one battle, but the battle continues, and here it is from Bitcoin Magazine, written by Shinobi. The current EIA, Emergency Cryptocurrency Mining Facility Survey, held by injunction, would require monthly reporting of information from mining facility operators through July 31st, 2024. This survey would require the collection of information such as the power price with the power provider, the amount of electricity available under their purchase agreement, the amount of power actually drawn, as well as detailed information on mining hardware such as unit count, hash rate, power draw, and age of the mining hardware. It is spectacular news that this survey has been temporarily halted by Federal District Judge Alan Allwright in Waco, Texas, but the final outcome of this lawsuit is still undecided. The next hearing will be tomorrow. It is my amateur opinion, opinion, very likely that the emergency survey will be permanently halted due to failures to properly follow procedures in the process of moving forward with this survey under emergency grounds. That would be a spectacular win for everyone in the ecosystem and definitely give miners and the rest of us some time to rally and prepare for other regulatory concerns developing in the ecosystem. But if the case is ultimately decided in that direction, it does not mean that we're out of the woods yet. In parallel, and here it is, here's the meat of the article. In parallel to the emergency survey, The EIA is looking for a three-year extension to the data collection requirements under the conventional process with an open comment period. This extension would make no changes to the information requested or the penalties involved with noncompliance, regardless of the outcome of the trial in Waco. This extension is not part of the emergency survey authorization and in the process of facilitating the public comment period, to my knowledge, is not subject to decisions based on the failure to properly follow procedure in initiating the emergency survey. This is still going to happen. The public comment period is open until April 9th, 2024. Comments can be submitted through the Federal Register system here, and they give a link, or by email to Glenn McGrath at Glenn. Dot McGrath at EIA.gov. That's Glenn, G L E N N dot M C G R A T H at EIA.gov. I highly encourage you to submit comments, especially if you run any scale of commercial mining operation. Numerous issues exist with ra- the rationalization, but here are a few of the problematic ones. <clears throat> what relevance off grid mining operations have? to the purpose of this survey, commercial or otherwise, given their operations have no impact on power prices or grid stability being completely disconnected from the power grid. What risks might exist for private operations not required to publicly disclose information about hash rate inventory or power consumption in disclosing information about their business operations? What merit Concerns about grid stability might have overall given the growth and prominence of curtailment strategies and capabilities as demonstrated in Texas during Winter Storm Elliott. 
The fact that the survey followed a prolonged period of overtly hostile messaging from the current executive administration using a very questionable basis for justification. The burden this could pose on large mining operations in regularly complying and maintaining the information necessary to comply with the survey. Why the GPS coordinates of mining facilities are necessary, given the concerns is, is regarding power grid stability and the electrical suppliers are already required to give that information under the survey. Remember to be respectful, concise, but to the point in any of the comments that you make. If your intent is simply to meme or make deriding comments towards the agency, this is in no way helpful nor constructive. Comments must be submitted by April the 9th, 2024. And again, you can submit your comments to federalregister.gov uh, there's a, actually there's a huge link so but it's the federal register is where we're going but you can email glenn mcgrath glenn.mcgrath at eia.gov please do so and i caution you as well as shinobi does to be respectful get to the point don't meme don't be a dick because like he said that shit's not helpful. Not at all. You know who else is not helpful but Craig Wright. However, he may be getting his. We don't know yet. Coindesk. Craig Wright to face new allegations of forgery in the COPA trial over the Antier emails. I brought it to you yesterday. We're going to examine it a little bit closer today with the help of Sandali Handagama. All witnesses in a UK trial challenging Australian computer scientist Craig Wright. Claims of inventing popular cryptocurrency Bitcoin are through testifying, save for a potential return appearance by Wright, to defend emails that his former lawyers have alleged were faked. That's the Antia guys. They basically said that he faked them. Totally faked them, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't help but to laugh. All right. Although Wright went through cross-examination for several days during the trial, which began on February the 5th, he'll likely take the stand again on Friday morning. That's coming up to defend the new allegations along with digital forensics expert, uh, Patrick Madden from the plaintiff's side. The trial. Stemming from a lawsuit brought by an alliance of crypto industry heavyweights and developers could decide if Wright's claims of being the inventor of, you know, Bitcoin hold true. The plaintiff, the Crypto Open Patent Alliance, or COPA, hopes the trial's outcome would end his legal battles with the broader crypto community working on Bitcoin. After Wright made a reference last week to some emails between him and his former legal representatives at Antia, his current lawyers were compelled to submit those emails into evidence. An inconsistency forced them to check with Antia on the accuracy of the correspondence submitted by Wright's wife, Ramona Watts. Antia then responded that the emails appeared to be, quote, not genuine. Counsel for both COPA and Wright this week tried to undermine expert witnesses for the other party, particularly questioning their independence Wright's team on Monday questioned COPA expert uh, witness Patrick Madden on why he'd enlisted the help of COPA's counsel at Bird and Bird LLP to organize the findings of his investigation into Wright's claims instead of seeking independent help. 
On Wednesday, the COPA camp, in turn, asked rights expert witness Zemin Gao, who has authored multiple essays asserting Wright as Satoshi, whether he was truly an objective expert. In addition to Gao, cryptocurrency and security expert Sarah Mucklejohn took the stand for COPA on Wednesday to defend, among other things, her findings indicating key cryptographic signings Wright did as proof that he, Satoshi, may have been inadequate. After Friday, the court will resume on March the 12th for closing statements from both sides. So, yeah, that that email has really piqued interest considering that his own lawyers, his own former lawyers, said they're fake. These are the, the old representatives of Craig Wright fully fully said, you know what, we're done. They're fake. This is a these are fake emails. And even his own lawyers are having to admit that this shit ain't right. It get it? Ain't right? Okay, never mind. <clears throat> okay. Um not too happy with ARC and 21 shares right now because they have disclosed spot Bitcoin ETF reserves via chain link integration. So just be aware that shit coinery is all around us. Coindesk, Helene Braun has this one. Asset managers ARC Invest and 21 shares have taken a step towards more transparency for their ARC 21 shares Bitcoin ETF by integrating Chainlink's proof of reserve platform to verify holdings data. The company's announced on Wednesday, quote, this collaboration allows us to offer an unmatched level of insight and safety for our investors Holdings for Arc B, Ophelia Schneider, co-founder and president of 21 Share, said. The move comes after fellow spot Bitcoin ETF issuer Bitwise in January disclosed its digital Bitcoin wallet address, showing the holdings for its Bitwise Bitcoin ETF. Transparency providing effort was widely applauded by industry experts. Arc 21 Shares will now be the second issuer to bring holding data on chain. Yeah, but you're bringing it with Chainlink. It's a, it's a shit chain with a shit coin token. There, this and it get, it's going to get worse. It's I mean I, I I mean literally during this show it's going to get worse. We're gonna we're gonna talk about another company that I thought was on the right side of history. Well, they're they're going to be on the wrong side of history, but not before I tell you about Cold Clutch. What the hell is Cold Clutch anyway? It's from my friends over at Leathermint, which you can get a 10% discount if you use the word Bitcoin and as the coupon code. Get 10% off of all Leathermint wallets. Check out the cold clutch. Discover the cold clutch at theleathermint.com. Your ultimate gear for Bitcoin sovereignty and style. Designed to securely hold your cold card, USB adapters, cables, batteries, micro SD adapter, SAC cards, and open dimes. It's the perfect blend of elegance and functionality. Whether you're on the move or at a cafe, the cold clutch keeps your digital asset devices organized and discreet. Elevate your Bitcoin game with the cold clutch only at theleathermint.com. That's theleathermint.com. The Leathermint, all one word. Check out some belts, wallets, and passport holders while you visit theleathermint.com. Secure, stylish, sovereign. Let's run the numbers.
or rather oil from CNBC Futures and Commodities, doing poorly today. West Texas Intermediate is down over half a point to $78.37. Brent North Sea likewise down a third to $83.36. Natural gas, however, is up, for whatever reason, five full points to a buck eighty-nine per thousand cubic feet, and gasoline is down over three points, back down to $2.27 a gallon. All of your shiny metal rocks getting their asses handed to them. Gold is down 0.13%, down to $2,041.40. Silver is down eh, three quarters of a point. Platinum is down one and a half. Copper is down 0.14. And palladium, biggest loser of the day, 2.12 to the downside. Ag is fully mixed today. The biggest loser is chocolate, down seven and a third points. Man, Hershey's must be having a heyday over there. Biggest winner is cotton, 2.34% to the upside. Live cattle is down almost a full point. Lean hogs are going sideways. And feeder cattle are down one and a half points. The Dow is down a quarter of a point. S&P is down a quarter of a point. NASDAQ is down 0.6. The S&P Mini is the only one in the green, but not by much, up a tenth of a point right now. All of the yields of all of the treasury bonds are in the red today. So I I guess yeehaw. I, I don't know. The bond market, stay away from this shit. This toxic debt is what it is. Nobody wants to admit it, but it is. It's debt. And it's toxic. Just keep that in mind. The 30-year is now yielding 4.4%. And over here to Clark Moody, uh, Clark Moody Bitcoin flashed in a price of $60,430. We have a $1.19 trillion market cap, 19,640,055.5 BTC in circulation at this time. Average block size is holding at 1.73 megabytes. Hash rate is 570 exahashes per second. Average fees per block are holding at a quarter of a Bitcoin. And block space percentage, where we take out the garbage that is ordinals, is holding at 2.5%. So that means that 2.5% of every block that is basically designed to, you know, shuttle around, you know, fiscal transactions is being used to take out the trash. So just be aware. Just please. God, stop with the trash. All right, we have 209 blocks carrying 152,000 transactions waiting to clear mempools around the world at high priority costs of 61 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority, you're going to get in for 52 Satoshis per V-byte and everything under 5.6 Satoshis per V-byte being purged from mempools around the world. And I'm flashing 606.3 exahashes per second for the hash rate over on mempool.space forward slash mining. Now from staunched outflows, yesterday's episode 862. I got 02ZX with 1450 sats says this is not a negative, more of a interrogative. Git slash Noster. Possible? What do you think? If you're talking about like GitHub, then yeah. Absolutely, it's possible. It is absolutely possible. Shit, you see what Pablo's doing with Wikifredia? I mean, if you can do Wikifredia, you can do code. And Michael Saylor's been wanting wanting a open source, Noster-based uh, GitHub replacement since the Christmas before last he was talking about this shit. 
So yes, it is possible. It just hasn't been done yet. Maybe Pablo will lose some more sleep. I don't know. Axelrod with a thousand says, love the show, bought both books you referenced in this show. Should love to hear about biochar and permaculture and, and, and Bitcoin. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. God's death with 537 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pies with 420 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And Sir Ulrich with 333, a short row of ducks says, thank you for your courage. I will mention you during my nighting by Adam and John. Dude, Sir Ulrich, Mo M. Effer. If you don't know what the nighting ceremony is by uh, Adam and John, he's talking about no agenda. And that's where if I think it's if you have donated over a thousand dollars to a show or to the no agenda show, you get a knighting. So you become sir in whatever name that you want. And if he's going and and the when you do that, you send them a note saying, Hey, here's here's my thousand or or here's like another fifty bucks, and that takes me over a thousand dollars in donations. And and then you get to write whatever you want. And if he's gonna mention me in the show, dude, Sir Ulrich, I can't thank you enough because that's that's helping me and helping the show to get some traction because God knows I need it. I haven't been in the top 10 on Fountain Apps in a month or on on the on Fountain App, not Fountain Apps. On Fountain App, I haven't seen I haven't even been in the top 25 in the last 2 weeks. I am nowhere to be seen on the charts for Fountain at all. I've actually gotten to the point where I'm kind of used to it. I used to be in the top 10 like all the time and I need everybody's help to get me back in there. And people like Sir Ulrich, who's going to do what he just said he's going to do. Can't thank you enough, brother. I cannot thank you enough. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Coinbase users report a zero balance it's a bug over on Coinbase. That Yeah, I mean, every single time we see action in the Bitcoin markets like we've seen today, Coinbase goes down. They're not the only ones, though. Kraken is having problems, and I I can't remember the other one. It's another, it's another one of the top five uh, market or uh, uh, trading places that you can play with your Bitcoin on. Anyway, they're all having problems, but Coinbase is actually telling users when they log in, when they when the users look at their their wallet and how much money they've got, it's flashing zero. A surging Bitcoin price between 5 and 6 p.m. UTC on February the 28th may have caused a disruption in Coinbase services with right widespread reports of accounts suddenly showing a zero balance beginning to populate social media. As of time of publication, the apparent bug appears to be ongoing, but Coinbase said that funds are safe. Quote, we are aware that some users may see a zero balance across their Coinbase accounts and may experience errors in buying or selling. Our team is investigating this and will provide an update shortly. Your assets are safe, but not your trades. No. One of the one of the wealthiest trading desks for Bitcoin and shitcoins on the planet, and they still have yet to fix their back end. Are you kidding? Seriously? It's unacceptable. 
There's nothing about this that even remotely approaches professionalism. This happens every single time. It's not like, okay, we've got some some major trading action here and only one out of two times that major trading action you know occurs does Coinbase go down. No, that's not the case. The case is every time this happens. It's every single time a market starts looking like what we've seen today, Coinbase goes down. It's the first to go down. It's probably the last to come up. And now they're actually scaring the living fire out of people by saying, you don't have any money here. If I had $20,000 in cash or, or, or Bitcoin or whatever sitting in Coinbase and I saw a flash of zero balance, how do, you, how, how do they retain customers? I don't get it. This happens every, every freaking time. Okay, so tax season is coming up. Let's, let's move on. <clears throat> the IRS... Your friends, if you're in the United States, you know what that is. If you're listening to me from another country, that's who is responsible for tele- for um, oh, um, shaking down the citizenry, scaring the shit out of them at the point of a gun, and basically stealing our property. The Internal Revenue Service has hired two private sector crypto experts to prep for tax season, Cointelegraph Arjit Sarkar. The United States Internal Revenue Service has appointed two, count them, one, two, new crypto tax experts from the private sector to focus on digital assets. The official tax filing season in the United States commenced on January the 29th, after which the IRS repeatedly issued notices urging citizens to report all cryptocurrency and digital asset income, including non-fungible tokens. As shown below, crypto received in the form of rewards or via staking among other areas, must be reported. The two new IRS recruits, Solomahaji and Seth Wilkes, have been hired to as executive advisors to the department, according to the IRS, adding, quote, the pair who have extensive experience in the tax and crypto industries will help lead the IRS efforts in building service, reporting, and compliance and enforcement programs focused on digital assets, in quote. IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel believes that expertise from the private sector can help the department successfully build a digital assets infrastructure in a way that works well for everyone. Not if you're stealing my money, it doesn't. The IRS will use the Inflation Reduction Act funding to build compliance in emerging areas, including digital assets. It's important to note that taxpayers in the United States are not required to report cryptocurrencies that are being held in wallets, transferred between two wallets owned by the same person, or purchasing uh, using or purchased using fiat currency. Right before the start of the tax season on January the 17th, the IRS backtracked on the law requiring U.S. businesses to report all cryptocurrency transactions above $10,000. The department plans to implement the rule after releasing a regulatory framework. The short-lived law, which was established <clears throat> on January the 1st, mandated required or mandated and required all U.S. businesses, such as brokers, to immediately report cryptocurrency transactions over $10,000. The IRS stated, quote, At this time, digital assets are not required to be included when determining whether cash received in a single transaction or two or more related transactions meets the reporting threshold, end quote. 
The United States House Financial Services Committee also noted several underlying problems with the poorly constructed digital asset reporting requirements that were passed on January the 1st. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. No, nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to governmental entities, federal or otherwise, United States or in another country. Because they were spending too much time pointing and laughing at us. And now they're figuring out that they wasted their time pointing and laughing at us. Now they're taking everything seriously and they are ill-equipped to do so. But that won't last. Mark my words, that won't last. That window of time, that window that describes the keystone cop-like maneuvering from federal governments around the world, that window's closing, all right? They're going to get good at this. They are going to become excellent at this because they are going to print money and they're going to pay people from the private sector who spent their freaking time learning how to do this shit, oodles of cash to basically cash in their ethics and their morals and go work for the very enemy that they were learning how to circumvent. This is human greed. We are never going to get away from it. If you are within the reaches of my voice, do not give over your knowledge to the enemy. Please don't. It's not helpful. It's just not helpful. Here, I'll throw this shit up in the chat so that uh, people can see a a pretty picture rather than uh, my uh, audio engineering software. Okay, let's see here. What's next? And speaking of greed, here we go. Proof that stupidity is an ever-present specter. For a while, Leaden was an okay company, but not anymore. Leaden has launched an Ether-backed loan as it preps to onboard former Celsius users. Leaden, L-E-D-N, remember that name. They've been around for a long, long time. In fact, I was I was on a show with, um, oh God, uh, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. He always, he's, I haven't seen him in, in quite a while, but he always used to do show I was on there like three or four times and he was one of the, he was one of the OGs in the Bitcoin space, right alongside people like the one vortex tone vase, um, mad Bitcoins. I was honored. I'm, you know, I, I would be honored to be on a show again. One of my favorite, one of my favorite people, but I haven't seen him in so long that his name is, is escaping me. And I, I suffer from, an, uh, what was it? Anaphasia all the time. So I can't remember it. But I was on one of his shows and one of the guys from Leaden was right there with me. Uh, like he, there was like three other, two other people there. And one of the Leaden guys was there with me. I enjoyed talking with him. And, and Leaden was, a, was a, a Bitcoin. Basically, it was like you could loan, you know, put up your Bitcoin and, and have people like make, make loans off of it and earn a little bit of, you know, a little bit of yield on it. And that was before the, that was before Sushi Swap and, Way before that, that before they destroyed the whole yield thing by, you know, using your Bitcoin to make loans or you could take loans from Leaden. You, you know, it was, it was like that, it, but it, it was always small. They never really, you know, ran shit up the flagpole like 27% APR. They never did any Ponzi-esque kind of crap like that. Well, those days are over. Those days are freaking over. 
Because they are now launching Ether-backed loans, that tells me that their priorities at the very top of the food chain in that company have changed. So don't use Leaden. And every time that you have a chance to speak poorly about them because of their Ether-backed loans, and make sure that if you do speak poorly about them, make sure that you reference the fact that they're shitcoin traders now where they used to be a good Bitcoin company and now they're not. And this shit cycle is just going to start all fucking over again. I'm, how many cycles do, how many cycles does it take for everybody to learn their fucking lesson? I guess it never ends. This is the same way it started back before the last bull market. Getting into loaning people stuff talking about their APRs. Do not, do not, do not get sucked into this. How to remain safe during this bull cycle. You buy Bitcoin and you hold Bitcoin. You don't trade Bitcoin. You don't buy shit coins. You don't go after sushi swap. You don't start trading crap tokens. You don't get into NFTs. You simply use all of your money and all of your attention to focus on Bitcoin. That's it. That's all you have to do. It is really simple. It's so mind-blowingly simple that the human mind just simply can't wrap itself around the idea of simplicity. And that's where we get people like Ledin, who used to be a good Bitcoin company, turning into a shit show, who is going to get burned and they're going to go bankrupt. That's what's going to happen to Ledin. They made it really far. They've been in in the game for years. And now they've decided, just like a dam that has already crumbled in front of my eyes, but yet still standing to everybody else, I see the leak. That leak is all I need to see. The dam is going to crumble. Leaden is going to go bankrupt. They're going to go bankrupt sometime this cycle. Okay, this is an important one. This is important. So I'm going to throw this up in the live stream so that everybody can see this. It's it's a stacker.news post entitled AJ Towns censoring on delving Bitcoin to cover Bitcoin core backdoors question mark. And it was posted by the Ariad. I'm not sure exactly who the area it is. Let's just read some of this and then we'll, I'll pontificate on it here in a second. During the last week, while I was reviewing a full, a few pull requests on Bitcoin core, I did notice that code design and proposals were abnormally vulnerable to some class of attacks to target Bitcoin use cases. After questioning the reviewers and proposing to them to test the code branch in real world conditions on Signet or mainnet, they ignored my critiques and one of the maintainers moved ahead merging the PRs. Later on, on the Bitcoin R&D forum, dubbed Delving Bitcoin, AJ Towns did reveal the existence, and here it comes, of private discussion rooms where some selected Bitcoin Core contributors were engaging and designing new Bitcoin Core proposals thus bypassing the usual transparency standards underpinning, underpinning, can't talk, underpinning free and open source source software and making Bitcoin Core development a closed door process. Now, before y'all freak out, just 
Just wait till the end. Let's, let me pontificate. Some of the vulnerable code enhancements I did point out the issues of in public on the core repository sounds to have been through this closed door process. I don't think English is the native language here, so just bear with me. As Peter, well, I'm not going to read that part. <clears throat> he he quotes a very long quote from a guy named Peter Hintgens, uh, the Zero MQ creator and a FOSS veteran, and he said it apparently in one of his books on the necessity of FOSS. So he quotes this thing, which I'm not going to do, but I will read the tip in the quote. It says, tip, when one person does something in a dark corner, that's an experiment. When two or more people do something in a dark corner, that's a conspiracy, end quote. When I said the same remark to A.J. Towns on the aforementioned thread, rather than engaging constructively in the discussion on what communication standards we all wish to maintain, like a high degree of intellectual honesty on the Delving Bitcoin forum in a decentralized ecosystem, he did threaten me. He did threaten me back to cancel my account by abusing its admin rights on the platform. And then he deleted my post and he gives a screenshot of it. Here's, here, here's the end of it. Dear Bitcoin community, there is something very fishy happening in the Bitcoin core development process right now. And I seriously wonder if a subset of contributors are not engaged in deliberately inserting backdoors to defraud or hypothetically get technical leverage on user funds in the future for any kind of political move. Personally, I'll stop engaging or contributing on Delving Bitcoin. We have many more communications platform available to engage in Bitcoin development like Noster, Google Groups, personal blogs, Stacker.News, etc. Right, let me just understand. That, that, okay, that's the end of the, the, the thing. But when he says, dear Bitcoin community, there's something very fishy happening in the Bitcoin core development process right now. Take note. Take note. The Bitcoin core development process is what has given us all the things that we have right now, including the very, the well, the second iteration of the code. The very first iteration of the code was just dropped by Satoshi Nakamoto. We know that part. But after that, there was Bitcoin core development. And up until now, up until this post, which was written on the 27th of February, that was yesterday, we've basically had a completely open and transparent situation. However, there's been some movement from Bitcoin core and the platforms that they've been using to communicate with each other, ideas, proposals, that kind of thing. It was like, I can't remember what the name of I want to say it was Bitcoin talk, but I think that that was actually older I think it was the Bitcoin mailing list is what was moved uh, because there was going to be some kind of deprecation of the, of the platform that they were using. And so they were going to move to another, another thing. And I don't know if that is actually the delving Bitcoin uh, uh, forum that is, that is being talked about by uh, this guy and the situation with AJ Towns censoring his shit. This is a dangerous situation. I'm not, I'm, I'm concerned, but I'm not freaking out. I'm certainly not scared. And I'm not going to be that way. Because I was thinking about this situation earlier today. You know, like the Bible says that we are created after God's image. 
then that means that we ourselves are creators. And like God's creation, if you don't even have to believe in God to just, just bear with me. Okay. But if, if for you, if God is real and God created the universe, then the creation itself is imbued with that, which the creator gave it. Every time we create something, we imbue it with part of ourselves. And at one point or another, if what we have created is good and of high utility, then that creation starts to become out of our control. And I think that that's why I'm not worried. I think Bitcoin has surpassed the ability of the Bitcoin developer as or the Bitcoin developer group, the whole umbrella, whether they're on delving Bitcoin or just talking to each other over emails. It doesn't matter. All the GitHub shit, all of that under all one umbrella as the creation itself, I think has become large enough to not actually listen to what some sectors of core development is saying. That's why I'm not concerned about delving Bitcoin. That does not mean that we should not be screaming to the rooftops about crap like AJ Towns censoring this guy who basically went, as far as I can tell, went through the proper process of saying, hey, I think I've got a problem. Here's what it is. I here I, I, I got something that I can test. Let's maybe we should test this thing that I've got over here on Signet or Mainnet. And then AJ Towns deciding that he doesn't need to be heard. That is bullshit. That is not free and open, so, open source software development. Not at all. Doesn't look anything like it. It's something completely different. So again, I'm going to leave you with this because this is going to be an ongoing thing. It's, this is a bigger thing than you might think. However, again, don't be scared, but here's the tip. When one person does something in a dark corner, that's an experiment. When two or more people do something in a dark corner, that's a conspiracy. We need to be watching this delving Bitcoin and this AJ Towns character like a hawk and making sure that they all know we're watching them like a hawk. All right. Keystash by Resolver, a desktop client for managing Noster private keys. Keystash is a desktop app that enables you to keep all of your Noster keys in a single application rather than pasting your NSEC into every application you install on the desktop. Available on Mac devices right now with Windows support coming soon. Keystash provides an API over a Unix domain socket for other Mac OS desktop applications to request a public key used to sign into other apps or request for an event to be signed. Resolver has also built a desktop Nostra client for its bounty marketplace, meaning users can post and take bounties directly from personal machines. Quote, the Resolver bounty marketplace experience will be fully realized on the desktop app moving forward as we work towards rolling out escrow features. The web client will continue to be supported, but will have fewer features, the project's team lead said. Quote, Keystash works with Resolver's Bounty Desktop uh, or any other desktop Nostra client to zap bounty payouts or any other zappable event with any Bitcoin Lightning wallet through a simple QR code interface. Team member 
Tommy has written a reference library for the underlying key management protocol, which Resolver has integrated into Keystash as a key manager and Resolver Desktop as a client. <clears throat> Resolver has plans to extend Keystash further with features like access to a Lightning Wallet, Fediment, like Cashew stuff, and Bitcoin wallets and more. So we have another entry into the private public key pair management ecosystem for Noster. And I love to see that. MicroStrategy ends us off. Apparently they got their uh, Twitter account hacked. (laughs) I didn't hear anything. I knew that they bought 3000 more Bitcoin, but I had no idea that they have problems with their Twitter account. Let's find out more. By the way, these are from no bullshit or no BS Bitcoin.com. MicroStrategy's Twitter account appears to have been compromised on Monday morning, Asia time, when hackers posting phishing messages, according to a pseudonymous crypto individual known as Spreak, on Twitter reported the block. Zach XBT, a blockchain researcher, said in a Twitter post that at least $440,000 could have been stolen so far from that compromise. Later in the day, the company's chairman said that they bought more Bitcoin. Okay, so when, I don't know this for certain, but when they say that Zach XBT said that at least $440,000 could have been stolen, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't mean stolen from MicroStrategy. Pretty sure he's talking about whatever it is that he's tracking because of that particular compromise of the Twitter account from, from MicroStrategy that some people actually bought into the phishing scheme because it was from MicroStrategy's official account and that they collectively were fleeced out of $440,000 or something like that, which is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, hell, for some people, that's life-changing amounts of cash. I'm just saying, be careful. If anybody ever, this is why I don't shitcoin because I don't have to worry about this stuff. If I were to have seen a tweet from MicroStrategy that said buy SHIB or Doge or Polygon, I would have known immediately that their account had been hacked. But that's just me. If you don't know anything about MicroStrategy and the ethos behind Michael Saylor and what they're doing with Bitcoin, and you just saw that and just said, well, this looked up MicroStrategy and saw that they were kind of like getting into Bitcoin and they had a shit ton of it. You might be inclined to say, well, maybe I can trust him. He's a billionaire. And I, even though I don't know anything about Michael Saylor and I've never heard him talk once about anything at all, I'm going to trust because this is a corporation and I'm going to buy this Shiba Inu. See, I don't have to worry about that. Because I stopped dealing in shit coins long before Michael Saylor started buying Bitcoin. I never have to worry about this because I'm never going to buy anything but Bitcoin. And I kind of advise that to you too. Buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Let's give uh, the very embarrassing book of dad jokes another whirl, shall we? Doctor, you appear to have a steering wheel attached to your groin. Patient, I know, it's driving me nuts.
was supposed to be a pirate. It's a pirate. That's that's the actual joke. The pirate walks into a doctor's office. And yeah, it's driving me nuts. Arr, it's driving me. I'm going to have to get a new book. Okay, so <clears throat> what have we learned today, ladies and gentlemen? Um, people don't know when to stop selling their Bitcoin. We're at 60213 where we were at $64,000 earlier today. So they're stupid. Don't be that. Second, greed is ever-present in the human condition, and it pops up everywhere. Like that whole thing with the AJ Towns and the delving Bitcoin, egos are a form of currency, kind of. I mean, it's not something that you can trade, but for your internal trading mechanism, your ego can cause you to write checks that your ass can't cash. And what I mean by that is that you get too big for your britches and your ego, and you think that you have control over something. Bitcoin will humble the develop its own developer crew. That's what will happen. Not all of them. Some of them will be true to the mission, but some of them will not be true to the mission. And the people that are not true to the mission, the the people that are in the development core, you know, infrastructure, they too will be humbled like a regular old shitcoiner. If you're thinking about using Leaden as a company for anything, don't because they're starting to shitcoin. They are engaging in the cycle that all these other companies do. This is, the, I think that they're looking at it as their shot. Oh, they're now, but they're going to do it. They're going to be okay, right? They're, they think that they're going to be able to be the ones to survive, but they're following the exact same footsteps as so many other companies at the beginning of the last bull cycle and what happened to them. They're all gone. They're all gone. The biggest players in the Bitcoin space on the planet for a total of three years, and all of them are gone. And Ledin thinks that they're going to get away with it. No, they're not. They've gone from a solid Bitcoin company to a shitcoin company. Do not use Ledin, L-E-D-N. Please stay away from them. And I will see you on the other side. There's underperformance, okay? It's depressing. I, I, I don't want to. What has Bitcoin ever done for mankind? Do you ever, are you ever on a Bitcoin phone? Watson, come here, I need you. I mean, what is it? This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.